stories turn songs into symphonies, events into memories, and lives into legends. In our crowded world, knowing your story cuts through the noise so you can make your mark, whether you want to sell more books, increase profits, or just make a difference. At Sterling & Stone, story is our business. The Story Studio Podcast is where we explore ways we can all tell our stories better. And now, with the Story Studio Podcast number 41, here's Johnny, Sean, and Dave. Hey, hey, welcome to the uh, Story Studio Podcast. So today we wanted to talk about um, sort of what what works for characters and what doesn't, what, what works and what doesn't work. Basically, some of our character kind of favorite moments. And I mean, there's this kind of code with characters uh, where just obeying what the character would naturally do. And sometimes you'll see storytellers try and shoehorn a character into maybe a direction that they, they shouldn't, or you start to see those choices where, okay, I see what they were trying to do and it was just stupid and it ran counter to, um, to maybe sense or what the, the viewers or readers or listeners would expect. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Go Dave. And Dave is, Dave is so happy as always. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. Sean, um, uh, wanted to pitch something for for today for Dave, uh, that, uh, a show that Dave would light up about. So, here you go. Look at this, him. Look at him. This is me lit up. <laughs> wow. So, so Dave, all that work to try to get that for you, and, um, and <laughs> n- nothing. What? Okay. So, what should we do? Should we do the the dead baby comedy hour? Would that would that just lighten you up? And you could talk about, about that for half an hour. We should try that, Johnny. We should try to see if Dave can like stay up and buoyant for a half hour of just the most ridiculous things. No, my, my gears were spinning for the other topic first, and then you started with this one, and this is the one I have nothing for. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. I think Sean might be done with the necessity for vamping, so we'll talk. He'll chime in. Dave always chimes in. Uh, yeah, I, I, it takes a while for the caffeine to lubricate the brain pan. Dave's like that construct that you see in whenever they want to show like a, a, a machine that humans are powering through through sheer force of will. They have a bunch of people around a like a wooden wheel and they're all shoving it and the gears are turning, cogs are turning. That's well, what I, I imagine have, Dave's mind is like. I have a hamster wheel, but my hamster, instead of running, is doing heroin and eating Oreos. <laughs> so yeah. Okay, that's Things are the, shut uh, down right now. All right, well, that's the topic. That's the topic of today: heroin and Oreos. So you might—that <laughs> sounds like a new podcast. Actually. Didn't we do that one already? I think we kind of did. Well, you guys will start to notice that um, as we're moving more and more toward pure story at Sterling and Stone, and moving more and more to pure story in the podcast. I mean, we always talked about story in the self-publishing podcast in the earlier days of uh, Story Studio. But as we move more and more toward just story, you're going to notice this and worst show ever, unfortunately, starting to blend a little bit. So we're probably going to get some ridiculous uh, Dave stories because we're just we're looser. We're having more fun. Heroin and Oreos is basically where I'm going with this. <laughs> so you haven't told the heroin story on this one. If you want to go ahead and, uh, and handle it. <laughs> all right. So yeah, shifting topics talk. to something that's maybe quasi relevant. Um, I mean. Not to put you on the spot here, Dave, but when have you, are there times that you've seen, do you have any favorite slash least favorite times that you've seen in a book, in a TV show, in a movie, you've seen a, a character choice that you're just like, what the hell? That doesn't make any sense, but it's something that you can really feel the the iron fist of the creator trying to make something happen. Um, 
I can't give a good example for Agents of Shield's first season, but the oh, first you season. Have a lot to say about that when it came out, though. Yeah, a but lot, but I purged it from my memory, so uh, I'm they, they course corrected though. So, but I remember the beginning; it was just like everybody was cardboard characters. So that's actually an example of people getting it right. Um, maybe heroes, heroes started off good and then just became stupid as hell over well, time. But was that a character thing or is that because, I mean, it's the moment they went to feudal Japan, it could have gone either way. Either this show got really awesome or really stupid. And unfortunately, it was really stupid. Um, but I, I mean, it started with the finale of the first season, I thought, where there was like this, like there was a brewing, right? This really, really big thing was going to happen. Save the cheerleader, save the world. And now we have this anti-climax i just i don't even remember the i don't last either i don't either but i remember thinking that like this show had a clear direction now I, I mean we're deviating so we want to bring it back to to character rather than plot but i remember it having this this clear trajectory of like you know save the cheerleader there's a sense of destiny and siler was working in the background and then i remember going oh so now they're just going to talk about them doing cool stuff and it doesn't they really don't have know a what they're line. doing like that's what we got to that finale and it really felt like they don't know what they're doing. They don't have a plan here. Doesn't it feel then, a little like a, a dog chasing a car and then it finally catches it? I get the feeling that somebody, like they wrote the first season and they're like, oh shit, it got picked up. Well, I don't know what to do. This might only be a one season oh, show. No, I think that they wrote the first few episodes and then we're <laughs> just like staying ahead of it. And I think that when they wrote, see, I didn't know this at the time, <laughs> but now we can totally armchair quarterback this shit because we've, <laughs> we've written a lot of stories. And I have a feeling that when they wrote Save the Cheerleader, Save the World, that sounded awesome in the writer's room, and they didn't really know what it meant. And so they they continued to do that, and it was great. And there really was a lot of suspense. And like it, it was mystery box storytelling. If you guys remember, this came out right after the first year of uh, Lost. So mystery box storytelling was like, boom, bitches, here it is. And Hero did that really well during its first season. But then it just didn't know where to go. And because it didn't know where to go, we lost our way. So I don't, I don't think that is a character thing because I think the characters just struggled. You know, Peter Petrelli was like, what fucking show am I in all of a sudden? So, well, I felt like they, they made Siler this incredibly scary person. And then he became popular and they, yeah. they, they changed him and they, they tried to turn him into... Uh, an anti-hero, but he... Okay, he, that's exactly where we're going. So Never worked. Yep. Yes, that, that's I was thinking the example. same thing. He had this real ominous presence in the first season. Yeah, okay, so um, we were talking to someone uh, just yesterday, last night actually, about the Jane Lynch character in Glee. And it, it was pretty much the same thing. If you look at the first season of Glee, did you watch Glee? Dave, I remember you putting a post about shows you were excited about before it came out. And wait, 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 wait. Hold on, I just like to pause a second and make sure that we're talking about the same Dave. So there was a show called Glee that was a musical about peppy happy people, and you think that Dave put it on a list of shows he was dying to see <laughs> that he was interested in in the new fall lineup? Dave Wright. Sure. Dave Wright. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I did see it. I, I thought it was uh, amusing, but it wasn't. It wasn't my thing. Uh, uh, because okay, well, of the music, mostly. Do you remember that it, it was called Glee? What did you think? What did you think? Do you remember uh, Dwight's assessment of Glee? He said, "If you're going to choose an emotion, why Glee? No, thirst. 
<laughs> okay, so in Glee, Jane Lynch is the uh, she's the head of the. the she show. was my favorite character by far. Of course, of course, she was. So she's she's awesome. She's um she's she's basically the villain for the first season. But then they they she was popular, so they made her likable, and it derailed the show because for the whole second season, it didn't have an antagonist. Okay, hold on, hold on, back up because this is the story studio. In what ways did they make her likable? What did they do to make her likable? Well, they made her they made her human. They gave her um, a disabled daughter, um, which immediately humanized her. And you know, because you saw her always being brusque and just kind of. I mean, she was there to destroy the Glee Club, like take away their funding. She was their ultimate foe. And so that was a really great antagonistic force. But once you see that she's she's a human and she goes home and she takes care of her daughter and she loves her daughter and she struggles with her daughter, it's pretty hard to hate her. And you kind of needed to hate her. You could hate her in a Louis De Palma, wow, that guy's an asshole, but at least he's making me laugh kind of way. But, you know, Louis De Palma was never humanized in quite that way. So from taxi, from taxi. Right. So, um, I I think that that's one of those, those situations where you do want to humanize your characters a little bit, because like we always say, you know, around these parts, no bad guy is the villain in their own story. Right. So uh, Jane Lynch is, you know, she's the good guy in her story. She's making her cheerleader squad the best in the world. Like that's her job. And anything that stands in the way of that is, is an impediment to her dream, her vision, her truth. Um, but you do want the viewer to, even if they're laughing with that person, you don't want them siding with that person. And they made it easy to side with Jane Lynch. So that's kind of a, a poor character choice, I think. I, I, I think one series that... It, it's one of those things like... It's a show. It was a comfort comedy show. Like it used to be. Like I I used to watch Everybody Loves Raymond and King of Queens, and uh, I think Everybody Loves Raymond still holds up. Uh, King of Queens, I haven't watched in a while, but that show started off with uh, you know a married couple, and it was just stupid, simple fun. Uh, But as the show progressed, the the two characters just became mean. Uh, like mean spirit and not even in a funny, I mean, done well, that could be funny. I mean, curb your enthusiasm. Well, I don't know if that's a good example of mean, uh, but I mean, it, it just became the, these characters just seemed spiteful and just like they hated each other. Maybe the actors did. I don't know. But as the show went on, it's like it, it turned from this simple, you know, funny pleasure to just, these people are just horrible fucking people. And it's not like uh, Always Sunny where that's part of the joke and it's hilarious and you love it. It's just these people you liked, they they were nice, uh, decent people. And they just, it became like the joke became more important than the characters. And I get like if something goes 10 seasons, it's 10 seasons or whatever it did. It, it's hard to maintain a character arc, but... I, I don't know. I, I just really feel it went off the rails. And by the end of the show, I just, I did not like them at all. Well, th- so the thing about um, long running TV shows and especially comedies is that not everybody needs a character arc. So you, in um, Friends, Ross and Rachel needed an arc like that, especially that couple, that pairing needed an arc. 
And then they, okay, well, Monica and Chandler, like you do need, I mean, Friends ran for 10 years, so that you, you do need to do I hated that. this so much. But this is, this is one that I've mentioned a few times, and I actually mentioned it on the call that Sean was mentioning uh, earlier, is um, there was a choice in like season seven, eight, I don't remember, it was kind of far in, where they decided, okay, Joey hasn't developed enough. Now, Joey is an excellent just kind of rudder for for friends. He, he's he's unchanging. He, um, you know, refers to when he's giving the tour of his apartment, that's where the pizza is and that's where I keep the napkin. So it's just Here's like, Joey's. he's just a consummate slob and like he just, and it took him a while. Like in the first episodes, he's chopping garlic and stuff and that that went away. Like, no, Joey, Joey orders pizza. Joey likes sandwiches. <laughs> but when they decided... Okay, he needs an arc, so let's have he and... I always forget when he's making the sauce in the first season. You watch it back again, and you're like, what? This isn't Joey. He's doing yeah, the thing right... by episode, or by season seven, he's getting donuts that he left from a season before off <laughs> top of the fridge. Right, right? like they decided to um, have him be real Italian, where they... Do you remember when he's talking to his dad, and it, the, the peacemaking <clears throat> gesture is he takes the spoon and, like, holds it out for his dad to try the sauce? It's, like, oh, so Italian. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, ridiculous. But the, the part that I hate is where they decided that they were going to have uh, him have a crush on Rachel, especially yes. the one episode that it's like they're in the restaurant and it's supposed to be like heart wrenching and uncomfortable because they're friends and they don't want to break up as friends. But now there's this awkward thing between them. And I just remember thinking that that was really, really dumb because Joey is the character who's not supposed to change. Like his character is unmoving. Uh, whereas the others, but even even like the characters who are supposed to have arcs like Ross and Rachel they don't really grow much. They just have this long thing that continues. You don't see a lot of character development usually in a show like that. It's kind of like comic strips, uh, you know, comic strips in the in the, the newspaper. The typically characters don't grow. They're not supposed to grow, um, it, at least in the comic ones. And it, it's it's sort of providing a. a Again, use that word comfort, a daily comfort for people that's just, they, 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 they don't want to, they just want to tune out the world. They want to have a laugh. They, they don't want to, they don't want this overly complex thing. Um, and I think a lot of sitcoms serve that purpose. And you, you can have great writing and great character characterization, character arcs and all that in a sitcom. But you have to know what you're doing. And Friends is not that sitcom at all. And for them to do it. Uh, I think another show that really lost its way because of uh, characters that just turned from likable to hateable, uh, Weeds. Oh, Weeds had some terrible character shit. Yeah, Yeah, that is a show you loved in the beginning. And then over time, you're like, who are these people? Who's writing these characters? Well, um, uh, Mary Louise Parker, I don't remember her character name. She, she Nancy? Beca- Nancy. She became so unlikable. She became so unlikable. So com- contrast her with, um, with uh, Frank from Shameless, who does heinous, heinous shit. Like, I won't list them in case you haven't watched Shameless, but let's just, let's just say that there's some real moments where you're like, okay, dude, you went f- too far this time. Like, you, these it are lines really you don't cross. Does too. But yet, he's, he always kicks his way back in and somehow it still works. Sometimes, despite like literally letting people die, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but you contrast that with, um, with weeds and i just remember going oh wow i'm not on this character's side anymore there's nothing i can get behind she doesn't she 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 got real cold um do you remember when um she and andy finally hooked up just like once 
And it was just this real like broken thing that wasn't even, didn't even have the emotional resonance it was supposed to have because. And he started off as an asshole yeah. and you came to like him way more than her. <laughs> Can we talk about the, um, that series best line? <laughs> because it is worth Go it. ahead. I know you enjoy it so much. <laughs> it's so good. All right. So, um, Andy and I forget the two characters' names actually, um, but they're they're sitting on the coffee table, um, and the maid walks in and they're arguing about you know that the taint and they're arguing about the one guy called it the runway or something like that. Right, the taint or the runway, and so the maid comes in and Andy says, "Hey, what do you call that thing between the dick and the asshole?" And she <laughs> says, "The coffee table." <laughs> That was good. That was like episode one or two. That's when I knew I loved that show. But then it got stupid. Well, I mean, Weeds did a lot of what Breaking Bad did, um, just poorly. So Breaking Bad, you you had a character in um, Walter White who was getting worse and worse, objectively, more and more criminal. And yet you were always on his side. Like he was consistent. He was he was in it for himself. It was his power thing. Um, But with Nancy, were you always on his side? I was on his because side most of the time. Well, okay, not on his side. On the side, on his side is wrong, but rooting for him in a shameful way, maybe. Like I was always wanted him to win. Let's say I got to the point I, where I, I didn't I, want Nancy to win. I, I think Vince uh, Gilligan has said, you know, we we actively tried to make you not like him. Like, uh, and I I think the scene where he let uh, Jesse's girlfriend spoiler alert where he let Can't Jesse's murder. girlfriend. Mm-hmm die uh from a heroin overdose as he's standing in a room uh that's pretty hard to come back from yeah a lot of people i talk to that have watched the show since they they mark that as a point where they just they they could not like him anymore and they were rooting against him but i think having jesse there who you did like you you wanted walter to succeed only because you didn't want jesse to fall as well well, is it, I, I guess I would say that you were consistently fascinated by Walter. Maybe that's a better way to look at it. Nancy just became hateable to me in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah, I and I didn't want Walter to die at the end because I felt like, uh, to me, motivation is everything with people and characters. And the motivation he had to begin with started off as noble. And even though he was doing all these horrible things, like the original motivation was good and he just got in over his head. And I know at some point he, he could have stopped. He, he was culpable for all the horrible things he did, but there, there's still that moment uh, that I feel is like anchored with you where, you know, you, you did root for him. Uh, and, and I never rooted against him. I, I did want him to stop. I didn't want him to die. I don't know if I wanted him to get caught or not. I don't remember. But I think when all these good people started to die, especially my favorite character of all time on the fucking show. Mike! <laughs> when, when Mike died, that, that was the end, right? That, like, I wanted Mike to have killed Walter. This show point. will feature some spo- spoilers for Breaking yeah. Bad. Retroactively. Well, I, so just forget I, I, did, I did say spoilers for one thing. So I yeah, assume anyone true. that hadn't seen Jane die, then they would already, you know, checked out. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, another one of my favorites, and uh, this was actually, Sean's going to get to what I'm going to say very quickly if he hasn't already, is this is one where I was actually warned, oh, in season whatever of a show, 
Um, oh, I thought you were going to go angry. So this isn't what I thought at all. Oh, well, I, I have another one. I, I have a few here written down, but but no, this was Parenthood. And it was, there was one season Uh-oh. where- Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. I think it was season five, because I think there were six seasons and it's they-, they were five. Right, yes. so the, the way that Parenthood was going to go is they were going to end after season four. So if you- Well, want- they didn't know. They didn't know. Like, the, it was one of those things where the show was kind of like tapered off and- Maybe they were going to get a renewal, maybe not. But season four is a decisive ending. Like if it had ended there, like noble effort, guys, because I never would have wanted another episode because you concluded it so nicely for me. Like everything was wrapped up. We felt obligated to watch. Right. And so what they wanted to do was to stir the pot in some way. And so they had to come up, spoiler alert, for Parenthood. So they wanted to, um, (laughs) to, because Dave's right on Parenthood. I'm going to go for, it's going to take a little while, Dave. All right. I'll wave him back in later. Um, I'm gonna. This is gonna take a little while. So you're gonna if you're gonna go off for a while, go go get some coffee or something. So <laughs> the um, uh, uh, Joel and who's his wife? I don't remember. Joel and Julia. Joel's wife, Julia. Yes. Julia. And they they've they've been this this sweet couple all along. Um, they, uh, they, they he's he's the best family man on the show. Honestly, I, I would oh, say by far. By, by far. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Adam, you know, well, like, there are Adam's others. great, but yeah, but he like stays home when he needs to. It's not just that he's a great family man. It's that he totally, totally uh, takes care of her and does everything to support her career. And he's just, he always puts his family first in every single way. He's, and, he comes second. Right. And then in season four, still going, still going, Dave, still going. Um, no, no, I'm waving you off. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so in season four, um, there's a, a flirtation, if I'm remembering this right. Julia has some sort of flirtation with another guy um, who is actually Roy, Roy from, from the, the office. office yes. The so first of all, I don't even believe that, but okay. And, um, and then it, nothing happens. It's just a mild flirtation. And then he gets so mad that he then leaves her. And you're like, okay, no, I'm sorry. I don't even believe that for a second. And it goes Not on for, for the... I don't think until I think it goes through the season. Like I think it's until season six it, is when they finally right. get back together. Yes. And you're Though just it like might be, it might be the very very end of of season the, five. Yeah, but it's still just a it's, ridiculous amount. Of it's time. a ridiculous amount of time, and you just keep watching, going, "Okay, you're being so incredibly unreasonable." Because you don't understand the character's decision. If you understand it, then okay, they can do all sorts of crazy shit. But you're just watching it go. That, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any because sense at all. It's horribly inconsistent, which yeah. I think you should talk about your favorite one of all time because that is so inconsistent. All right, so Dave, you can come back. Uh, yeah, okay. So it's safe to come. I feel like we just put him in an isolation booth in a in a like a game show. <laughs> all right, Dave, for fifteen thousand um, dollars. Okay, where does your so wife funny. like Whoopi? <laughs> Whoopi was it? What was it? Was it was it the the Match dating game, game or the Match dating game? That game talked about Whoopi? Yeah, <laughs> all all the seventy shows in the butt. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> yeah, my favorite of all time is um, it's actually similar to the Joey one. So it might feel like like an anticlimax, but in my opinion, How I Met Your Mother made some egregious mistakes after a few great oh, seasons. But the the one that I wanted to mention specifically was when they decided to humanize Barney. Who's this like player ladies man? There's obviously spoilers for this too. And they um, have him. Do they actually date for a little while? He and Robin? Yes. yes. Who yes. is supposed to be Ted's love interest, like the main um, the main arc of the entire show, which they totally fucked up besides this point. 
And so suddenly you have Barney like yearning and stuff. And it really, it ruined the character for the rest it of the time. so stupid. And I think that those character decisions are born out of desperation, right? It's like, let's, we need to do something. How many seasons did that show run for? Uh, Too I think many. 10. I think it went all like, as long as Friends. Yeah. And, which is and just kind of ridiculous. The shitty thing is, uh, and I won't say what the ending is, uh, but I mean, they, they they make you. I mean, the whole show is about how he met this person, and you think it's going to be Robin the entire time, and it's not. And then what they did with the person it was, it's which is so dumb as shit, ever. so stupid. It's I mean, you so would think I wrote that. <laughs> it's a joke. It was like last season. We got like three episodes <clears throat> left. Okay, here she is. Wait, she's dead. <laughs> Spoiler. Well, well, I gave I said spoilers. We should just call this show the spoiler show. Really, I also like that there was absolutely no reason for her to die, other than to give Ted permission, I suppose, to be with Robin. But they didn't need to do that. It was the laziest writing ever. It was. They might as well have said their mother died on the way to her home planet in just a still screen. You know what the shame is? There was a show that was on before How I Met Your Mother, and I forget the name of it. It started. It starred Jason Ritter, uh, and I, I think Christian Ritter might have been in it too. I don't even know if they're related. Uh, they played Jane, but it was a show that I thought was really good, and it got canceled after one season. And then they brought in How I Met Your Mother, and I always thought the other show was better. I liked How I Met Your Mother for a season, or. I did like it. Like it was good the for first, a while. I thought the first four seasons were <clears throat> good. And it, you know what's funny is I know that my children would really like the first four seasons, but I don't want to start that. They're going to want to watch the whole thing. Because they want to watch the whole thing and they won't believe me that it's just <laughs> that spoil it's it. Just say at the end it's shit. <laughs> yes, but I, like I told them that about <clears throat> friends that the the you know final seasons weren't as good. I told them that about the office that they weren't as good. Because it's true for both of those shows. Well, once I didn't even watch yeah, the once Michael office. Scott is gone, I mean that the office was circling the drain. Well, right, but it was still so much better than what's going on with uh um, Oh for sure. How I met your mother. How I met your mother. So like those those are the litmus. And at least um the office has a great finale. You know, it yeah. does circle the drain for a few seasons. It's you know not what it was. <clears throat> but that finale is is really good. It's legit. It's a good finale. You know what shows never overstay their welcome? Anything on uh, BBC or <laughs> basically like The Office UK was only a couple seasons. Well, that's because they, right, they only do like one season on anything, and then they're just done. Right, and uh, the the IT crowd, which I think is absolutely hysterical, only four seasons. Although the last season I didn't enjoy as much as uh, particularly the second one. Uh, but still, I mean, they they do not overstay their welcome. They get out the door before you have a chance to even fall in love. <laughs> Can you guys think of any examples of um, right character decisions that must have felt hard in the writer's room? Like it's not something that would even be good for the... Oh, that's a good question. Breaking Bad? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually a great example. The one that came to mind for me, and this is I don't have a specific uh, event, and I, I think I just, I think I mentioned this character a little while ago, so... <laughs> Um, is uh, a character like Janice on The Sopranos where you're like, everybody's going to fucking hate oh, this person. Yeah, yeah. She's just a drain. But that's the right decision. That, that character constantly made choices that would have been infuriating to anyone. And it would have been tempting probably to be like, well, let's redeem her a little bit or let's have a victory. Well, no, you never get it. 
or, or she can't die. That's the other thing. Spoiler for that. Um, you keep waiting for Janice to get into trouble where she mm-hmm. gets killed and she doesn't. So I think that's uh, okay, being true. Actually, let's talk about Sopranos for a second because that show was filled with people who you didn't really like, but you liked watching them. And they Like his mother. Oh, yeah, she was horrible. But they never backed off, right? They never, I mean, to my knowledge, did they ever make Livia sympathetic at all? No, not even when she was like, dying. Right, right, right. And then we, I, I remember feeling a little bit conflicted because part of me felt like I should, because Tony, Tony was so conflicted and you want him to feel something for his mother, but like she's such a monster that you just kind of make it. Well, he did just her. a little bit. And then if I remember this right, I might be remembering this wrong. Cause I think he was talking to Melfi about it. And, um, but he was like mad at himself for having any weakness at all because she was such a bitch. Like he, but he was like, well, she was my mother and you know, yeah. Go ahead. I, think, I think that's one of the first shows that really um, had a, a main character that you were not supposed to like, and you did anyway, like a true anti-hero. Do you, uh, you mean Tony? Well. You mean, you mean, Tony, uh, Tony, yeah. Yeah, now see, that's actually a good, ex- uh, an example of a show that managed to evolve. So you were talking about the, the Jane Lynch decision to make her <laughs> less of a villain and humanizer, and yeah. then... It was like, well, that that was born out of desperation because they needed to do something. But um, the uh, uh, oh shit, what were we just talking about? I had a really good example there, and I can't remember. Sopranos. Um, oh yeah, so just the the evolution of that show, they took it in directions that weren't contrary to that. Like they let Tony continue to be a villain who you understood his side, but then they they drew out Melfi, right? Like his psychiatrist, yeah. and they had her going to her own psychiatrist and seeing her own neuroses and dealing with the her sessions with Tony she had to get out with with her guy and i thought that those were additions rather than like cute gimmicks or no, strong choices wrong choices and another show that uh, i think made difficult choices but made them pay off uh, breaking bad and better call saul and i won't spoil better call saul cuz i feel like a lot of people haven't really seen the most recent um yeah, or any. you know what you don't you don't have to you don't have to um, ruin it, Dave, but you can talk a little bit about it because better Saul, better call Saul is the master. I mean, I think Vince Gilligan is the master. But as good as Breaking Bad was at it, I think that Better Call Saul is even better at backstory, at yes. giving us context to who people are and why they behave the way that they behave. And so I think it's the, it's the best example of not ever selling out your characters. And especially because that show has a lot of hard work to do because it has to, um, it, it basically has to account for the Breaking Bad timeline. And it, like, and I, I'm watching Better Call Saul live right now. And I think I'm on season four of Breaking Bad for the second time. So it, I am looking for those intersections. And it's kind of amazing how well they've got the Saul character where they're completely adding to him, changing things, but it all works as evolution and understanding and it doesn't change who we uh, felt like he <laughs> and, was. When we met him. And, and here's a funny thing about uh, Saul as a character. He, he wasn't uh, supposed to be this great character. Uh, he just brought in mostly for comic relief, if I remember correctly. 
Uh, and when they announced they were going to do a spinoff of this show, they didn't even know what they were going to do yet. They were thinking about making a straight up comedy, like a half hour comedy. You were like, so mad. I was like, that oh, sounds yeah. awesome to me. <laughs> no, I thought it was horrible. Uh, and I'm glad they didn't go that route. Uh, and also like how timelines uh, match up and that stuff you're saying, they don't even know what they're doing. I from, know. Like know. they're making right. shit up as they go. They don't have this grand architect, uh, architectural plan of what happened, the mythology. They don't even remember all of it. They are making shit up as they go along and making it fit and making it work. And it's pretty damn amazing. amazing. Yes. Agreed. All right. Well, so let's wrap up our little character study today. And um, who knows what we'll do. I know what we're going to do next, but I don't know if it's the next episode that's going to air. So I don't want to fuck up my own continuity. So thanks for listening (laughs) to the Story Studio podcast. And we'll see you next time. And know that I will never change. Dave will never change. (laughs) No, that's not planning on it. Dave is Joey. That's not consistent. Peace out. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. You're invited to join us at the final Smarter Artist Summit on February 18th and 19th in Austin, Texas. Authors and publishing experts from around the world will join us to teach you strategies that will outlast the what's working yesterday tactics everyone else is talking about. Attendance is limited, so reserve your spot at smarterartistsummit.com now.